Welcome to the Soma Soulworks Podcast. We hope here to equip, empower, and inspire a global community of creatives through rich, Christ-focused conversation. Thanks for joining us today. Welcome to another episode of the Soma Soulworks podcast. Today it's me, Sammy, and Neil. Hello. And Hunter. Hello. And we want to talk about um, game design in the past versus like game design now. Um, and this is all kind of seeded by an article we were reading about how the designers approached uh, GoldenEye for a Nintendo 64 big classic that most of us mm. gamers had grown up with, or if we hadn't grown up with it, like myself, we wish we had, because <laughs> so it just good. made such amazing strides in our industry, like set some standards, built mm-hmm. some things, but it all came out of this time period where there were no rules to follow. Nope. Um, there weren't, there wasn't decades of, of design kind of dictating how your game ought to be. And uh, as a young game designer myself, like I always look back at that time and think like, man, how great must it have been like to just kind of design without any rules. Mm-hmm. But of course, obviously the trade-off was they didn't have any tools. They didn't have any guidelines. It was kind of the mm-hmm. wild west. Mm-hmm. Like I really like the quality of life of Unity and my tools these days. But uh, <laughs> Slightly some, more powerful. Just, 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 just but you know. <laughs> Being able to Google how to do something instead of oh having to invent the wheel every time you want to start something. Yeah. <laughs> I probably wouldn't have made it as a game designer back then, but it's just <laughs> one of those things where you kind of romantically look back at it like Little House on the Prairie but of game design. You're like, wow, <laughs> what a romantic time period to just go and develop freely and nobody accused you of copying another guy. <laughs> it's funny that, speaking of copying... The article does talk about they took a lot of influence from Nintendo, specifically mm-hmm. Mario 64, and I thought that was awesome. Like, yeah, they they did some things that were interesting with just design in general. Hey, we're making something that's a first-person shooter, so it's stuck in the genre. Sweet. Well, what do we do? Actually, I really like Mario 64. Wait, wait, that's not a first-person shooter. <laughs> yeah, but I really like Mario 64. <laughs> so they took some elements and like all of a sudden you had something this new mix. So a lot of. Uh, mm-hmm mashing up uh different ideas and genres is always what i think about nowadays is gonna be a constant forever in design but they did this unique mix and i was like oh that's fun well, kind of a master class too of just figuring out why did i like this mm-hmm. and taking the elements that made it fun and not just wholesale copying yeah. it was like actually getting to the root of oh the interesting thing here is something like the multiple objectives mm. per level, not the fact that it's platforming versus shooters. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, there was really, they had quite the insight to be like, oh, this is actually the core that we're borrowing. Hmm. Some of their, yeah, some of their decisions really led to kind of foundational values of game design, which is kind of neat. So that was one of the ones that was super interesting where it's like, oh, you don't have to do exactly what's done before, which is the key, is what they talked about. Like, oh, mm-hmm. you just need a key to get to the next place, and all you do is unlock doors. Wow, that gets boring fast. Mm-hmm. And we need to change this up. We need to change the pacing. We need to change the the types of things you're doing in the level. Um, and all that was like, oh, yeah, that's like core thinking nowadays um, in order to make a game fun. Mm-hmm. And they were the ones kind of coming up with the original thoughts on that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
And I think they were one of the earlier games. I know there are probably other ones that did it, but mm-hmm. really have the the objectives where you've got um, mutually exclusive ones where in order to complete this one, you have to fail this other one and vice mm-hmm. versa. Like kind of the early, truly meaningful, like you can't do both. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas a lot of games early on were about like completionism and it was possible to complete everything mm-hmm. partially from the um you know arcade era of like that's what mm. kept the quarters coming <laughs> yeah. yes so that reminds me of the complexity of game design mm. and versus the simplicity that they did start off a little bit more simple like towards the arcade game era but some of that was really beautiful I love the simplicity of that. So we do have a lot of complexities to our modern game design. And sometimes when we strip those away, some of the indie games that are coming out are kind of harkening back to Mm -hmm. this idea of simple fun, simple choice in the moment. And every moment is an interesting, good choice. And sometimes we don't have that in some of the modern games. They get too complex and too open. And you're like, wait, what am I doing right now? Uh, I'm lost. So that doesn't quite work as well when it's too much. It's definitely the sort of pendulum swing trend Mm. we're seeing where we got really into like making sure everything was abundantly clear and not super punishingly Mm. dropping you in. But we're kind of pulling back from that because I think we all realized that it's like, oh, over-design is a thing. (laughs) Um, You know, if it's designed to stand out, it doesn't also need to be highlight and have a button prompt and like big neon arrows pointing at it, you know? (laughs) Uh, the audience matters a lot too, and that so the younger audience tends towards flashier, more mm-hmm. robust, full UI that's in your face. But yeah, the moment you get towards the teens and above, you're like, "Let's do some nuance, guys. We don't have to point the shiny uh, arrow all the time." <laughs> but yeah, actually, that reminds me of uh, Fable, which also yeah. did some other um, key new ideas that hadn't been used much. Too until that time and nowadays it's like oh actually that was kind of this middle ground where like that was useful the breadcrumb trails and things like that but too much of that is not good and yeah they were like this in-between um kind of game theory unlike movies and books which really have such a solid framework of like this is how you make a good one like Mm. these are the beats here's the hero's journey like They've all been analyzed and broken down until you know what elements you need. Mm. Games are still trying to figure that out. Like yeah. I know we've we've got decades <clears throat> going back there, but it is still comparatively new enough that we're still trying to make those rules. Like there just aren't. Um, I don't know. I guess like a lot of things have changed, but in many ways, there's certain things that just haven't changed. Mm. Um, I know. I also loved how in the article it was talking about, yeah, you could see like we were developing this island you could speederboat to, and then that feature was cut, but it was more complicated to remove the island, so we just left it there. And now generations for years are going like, what's it like to reach that island? And it's like... Can't get there. Can't get there. It was just a cut feature, but Mm -hmm. boy, did it live in your mind. (laughs) Yeah. And we still do that where it's like, well, it'd be way more work to delete all this stuff. So I'm just going to leave it <laughs> out there. And, it's hidden uh, underneath the world. Um, <laughs> yeah. Maybe players will fall through it sometime. Yeah. Stuff like that. Yeah. 
Hmm. So modern game design and modern tools um, definitely have a different feel. I think, Hunter, you mentioned earlier, access to information is another key. Mm -hmm. They didn't have information before. They were making it up as they go. This is a young industry. Mm. But now, how is that with design? How is it when you have so much information and analytical tools and obviously just the knowledge set of how to create? How does that really change modern game design? Well, it definitely seems like then you've got a lot more spaghetti being thrown at the wall to see what sticks. <laughs> spaghetti uh, <laughs> at the wall. Let's try this. Mm, so yeah. you've got, on one hand, like the barrier to entry is so low that you mm -hmm. have some people with brilliant minds coming in and like thinking creatively because they're not, you know, adhering to um, like strict industry standards and they're not worried about making the big bank. They're just working on a passion project, mm -hmm. which can mean some real bangers but it can also mean some real not bangers um <laughs> so you do end up with this kind of flood of mm. uh bad games that or cash grabs and it's honestly really reminiscent of like mm. the 80s atari scene where like oh, <laughs> you know yes. it all all these bad games coming out until you had et and the industry crashed <laughs> <laughs> yeah and there's always the yeah learning in the past with the, the simple games that just didn't work and just crap. But then you have the, the gems that sit out. I think the same thing's happening. You're kind of, it reminds me of what you're talking about is like the indie apocalypse kind of thing that mm -hmm. happened about 10 ish years ago. And we're still having a ton of that still going on. But you have anyone who can get in so easily and try out something. And sometimes it really works. Other times it's just like, what? This is okay. But it reminds me of art as well. Art yeah. all over the place. It's. Yeah. You know, who Art, knows? movies, books, mm -hmm. music, like, yeah, once the technology becomes accessible, you just have this big old boom, which mm -hmm. comes with the good and the bad. Yep. But um, some of the good is so cool. Oh, yeah. Oh. Makes it kind of cutthroat to try and stand out, but you know, mm -hmm. I don't know, I still love it. <laughs> That's really interesting. Yeah, I don't... My video game experience is substantially less than either of your guys's. It's cool for me to hear and like listen on and stuff like that because for me, like old games are not like that old. Like nobody in my family growing up played video games. And so mm -hmm. I kind of had like, um, I, I think I was talking to Ethan in the office on like Wednesday or maybe it was Monday or something, but um, he was talking about the Game Boys that were sitting on the desk and the games on there. I was like, I had a Game Boy, but I had no idea what to do. And I had no friends that had any. So I just mm. picked up like a SpongeBob game and like, a, oh, wow. <laughs> you know, all of those cheap, like, yes, licensed things or whatever that came out back then. I was like, I didn't even know where to start when it came to like good games or like, mm -hmm. you know, games that you need to play when you first start or whatever. And so mm. now that I'm kind of like in that world a little bit more now and discovering more about what the differences are and stuff and hearing about it. I'm really fascinated by like the process that goes into it and oh, like, yeah. what people think, but, um, I don't know it to me when I think of like when people are designing way back then when it was like a really, really new industry, there was a lot of like discovery and now it's kind of almost to the point where it's like, well, most things have kind of been discovered and, um, I mean, that's not true ever, but like, it kind of feels like it in some ways. <laughs> kind of and anytime like that you hear a new mechanic, sometimes it's almost gimmicky or sometimes it works really well. Mm -hmm. Um, but like as people who, for either of you, I guess the question, like, 
people who design games, is that like difficult? Is that something that you worry about when designing games and that like mm. I have to make something completely unique or is it like no it's okay to make like a game that borrows elements from all over the place and throws them together or like how much of your mind is like I need to make something that's original original mm. <laughs> it's it is interesting because we've actually struggled with that a lot in um, specifically working on Redwall of like how mm. much of this like you want something original that's yours to stand out but you also have to hit this bar of excellence mm. because of the precedent that was set before you like older games get a lot of passes for like they were just figuring it out and a lot of new games it's like if you even as a young studio are still just figuring it out because somebody in AAA has figured it out you know, you will get called out for like, they did it just fine. Why haven't you figured this out? Mm. Or honestly, AAA is getting called out a lot about like, these indie people can do it. Why the right. heck aren't you doing it? <laughs> um, <laughs> so there is this whole like comparative thing where it's like, you either have to do what's already been done really, really well. But even if you do that, people are still expecting some sort of like original twist. Mm -hmm. Um, I think you brought yeah. up Redwall, and one of the things I didn't play through all of them because I struggled to sit down and play video games for long amounts of time. Mm -hmm. um, but one of the things that I saw in it that was super unique, at least to me and my experience in playing, was the um, scent system that's mm -hmm. built yeah. in. Yeah, that was like really cool for people that haven't um, played Redwall. Does one of you guys want to like? describe that a little bit if we're the sense system yeah oh yeah that's all sammy because she was <laughs> okay, one of the masterminds I, that i did that help design that, that one it was super cool i thought and something i hadn't seen before so we um yeah we we talked to like a bunch of there's like a local gal who was kind of a scent um scientist um, oh that's right and was we herbs and jars? yeah okay yeah 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 herbs and jars <laughs> yep. um but yeah we did a lot of like research into the science and like how perfume industries and stuff like mm. define scents and, and categorize them and flavors and did a lot of crossover there. And mm -hmm. honestly, the, the scent system as it is in the game is only like 10% of its power. Like we <laughs> have all these documents of like extremely nerdy, like science mm. of like, this is where the scent system could go if we just had a little more time in a slightly different genre. Yeah. So I know we are hoping, <laughs> I'm hoping to, revive that that mechanic and use it better like we had this whole tracking system from when the game was more open world mm -hmm. and now that the game is not open world it's obsolete but i want it back yeah <laughs> um it would be yeah. so cool but yeah like everything's made of three notes and the notes have their different length of survival and like there's going to be this whole thing about crafting sense to kind of fool your enemies mm. like yeah it, it's got a lot of cool shit that it can't sorry stuff that it can do oh That's my goodness <laughs> i think we've cursed on the podcast before it's <laughs> um, whoopsie but yeah I, I remember when i saw that the first time i was like wow this is really interesting i haven't seen something like this before those were like the first two things mm -hmm. and then i was like wow this actually does make me think completely differently about like what am i doing right now yep. and not just like the like very much from a stealth standpoint of like make sure that I'm not, but mm -hmm. also from a tracking standpoint of like how do I find these other things mm -hmm. and worrying about like wind and all of this stuff. And I was like, I like the closest thing I've seen to that would be like in 
like some Red Dead games about hunting. Mm-hmm. Right. But um, that was like, if if you said in Redwall it was 10%, I feel like that's 1% of <laughs> what it could be. So it was like, it's really interesting and it was a good way to visualize. So like that's an example I think I've seen that you guys have done of like modern game design that I feel like is completely unique and good. And we've talked a little bit about old stuff, but like, mm-hmm. um, is it something that like, let me think about how I'm trying to like form this as someone who's not like in the industry, but like knows a little bit about it. But like um, when you're designing something, you guys are in kind of a couple of new projects now where you're looking at mm-hmm. um, kind of some early game design stages or maybe a little bit further on. Mm-hmm. But like, is it something where you think it's essential to have like a, this is unique about this game or do you think it's still possible to make a game that like doesn't introduce anything new to the table, but is still like a banger? Mm. Does that make sense? It's definitely a, it definitely both, because it depends on the, depends on what kind of game you're making. So we we tend towards narrative based games, mm-hmm. so we don't have to really make something original gameplay wise. Uh, we t- we try depending on what the game is. We do try because that's always a desire. But I think one of our newer games, which is the interactive fiction. It's it's putting two different, you know, standard um, gameplay uh, features together, um, and then kind of adding a third. So you're putting the combination that's existing in a unique way that fits the story we want to tell, mm-hmm. and that really helps a lot. So, whereas other games we've we've definitely iterated on and just thought of, we're trying to make something slightly new, right? Um, but it but but it was fitting that game, so. That was the the journey that I've seen with Soma's. It depends on the game we're making and the story we're wanting to tell. Mm. Um, and uh, we have some wing feather ideas for some wing feather games that are using some unique mechanic ideas because it fits that game well. So the game really leads with what do we want to do for that game? Do we need to do something original mm-hmm. or not? Mm-hmm. But we do definitely lean that direction because you want to do that as a as a creative. Try something a little bit new. Um, or sometimes something completely new, but again, it, it really depends on the game that you want to make. So you touched on something there that we, as a gaming industry kind of found out when Pokemon go came out Mm. is that there's really a lot to be said about making sure your IP fits your mechanics Totally. and how like Pokemon go was just like, there was like two or three other games with the identical gameplay Mm -hmm. beforehand, but the IP is like, just didn't fit it. Mm -mm. But the whole heart of Pokemon yeah. matched exactly what that was. So they didn't need to do any innovation, Mm-mm. but it actually succeeded just because there was a match there. Yep. Um, so yeah, sometimes it's just finding that, mm-hmm. that combination that works or being like, okay, this was a great game that everybody loves. Now let's do that, but fix the couple of things that people didn't love. Like that's a viable option as yeah. well. Yeah, fixing a game that almost got it right and then you make it just a little bit more reminds me of Blizzard. Mm-hmm. None of their product is new. All of them are extremely well polished though. So mm-hmm. like they didn't invent RTSs, but boy howdy did they knock it out of the park, right? Like mm-hmm. they they redefined the genre um because they crafted it so well. And that was another piece mm-hmm. of the puzzle. But like theme 
matched with game design that mm-hmm. oh you you get those two things together and then you're just making masterpieces yeah so it's it's kind of a neat part of game design hmm. that's interesting that's cool <laughs> lots of wiggle room with where we go in the future and we're still young so we're still learning yeah so that's that's part of this new industry Something I find super interesting is how the the way we've gone about it. Um, uh, I'll make this quick. Um, <laughs> the the things we're nostalgic for now are mm. are like not all that old. So there's a lot of things from my childhood that were pretty niche that are now making like these huge returns because it like a new game hasn't been made in that since then. Mm -hmm. Um, specifically, I mean, I'm outing myself here. I was a horse girl. So things like Barbie horse adventures and like Mm -hmm. Bella Sarah, like there were all these, these horsey games and they kind of just fell off the map for a decade or two. And and now suddenly there's just kind of this boom of people Mm -hmm. making horse games um because i think all of us little girls grew up and we're like hey we have the technology now we'll make our own dang horse game yes um, so like big fans of the original and now it's like they're new their own yeah it's <laughs> good it does um, remind me of stardew valley as well yeah that's like one yeah. of the quintessential examples of like hey i love this older game yeah. and i like all the pieces to it i'm just gonna make it polished in my own and using all these modern tools that were very powerful yeah and man did that yeah caused a super boom of super games yeah and then the genre became popular yeah it wasn't popular before it was like "Eh, it's niche now it's just like it's a genre yeah i know yeah harvest moon was one of the games that i played a ton when i was a kid totally and so when I discovered Stardew Valley, I was like, oh my gosh, this is yeah, this is great. I <laughs> sunk so many hours into Stardew Valley, and um, then the the farming game up boom happened, and I was so thrilled. I was like, more farming games to feed my cravings, and I was like buying a bunch of them, and now there's just so many that I'm like, okay, I can't, mm-hmm. I can't keep up with this. I've been burned a few times. Like I gotta mm. make sure that I actually want this farming game, because yeah. I have too many now. <laughs> <laughs> so that becomes the... Uh kind of the red ocean of genre when you the companies will put too much of that type out yeah. and then all of a sudden you find this other game that explodes because it's a an older genre or some unique combination of ones that haven't been done for a while and was like where have you been all my life it just keeps happening there's always some newer combination <laughs> yeah. of something that comes out and you're like wow but it's sometimes not an original idea but it's a new take on a on an idea that hasn't been around for a while, and then people just love it because they like, oh, this was great. Yeah, it was great. We just haven't seen it for a while. Oh, I'm so glad they brought that back. So yeah. it's fun. And that said, we are out of time for today. So I guess we'll wrap it up by um, saying that game design is different, but also not different. And I'm mm-hmm. sure that's clear as mud. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Share with us your uh, own game designs and your own things you're working on because yeah. that's always fun. Yeah. What have you learned in this journey of game development? Mm. And what niche genre do you want to see make a boom? Because <laughs> good question. I love it. Um, yeah. So until next time, just have yourself a, a merry pre-Christmas and uh, or post-Christmas. Where are we? I don't. I don't know where Pre, we are. I Pre, think. Yeah. 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 We'll see. You know, just take care. Have a good <laughs> and. Um, 
God bless. Thank you for joining us for today's conversation. You can find us online at somasoulworks.org and continue these conversations with our small group curriculum. We hope to see you next time and have a great day.